Welcome to the Life in the Red podcast presented by the Lincoln Journal Star, your source for Husker news, analysis, and more. From football in the fall to recruiting in the summer, we've got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Bassnett, Parker Gabriel, and Stephen M. Sipple. Three, two, one. Welcome in. Life in the Red podcast. I'm Chris. There's Parker. There's Steve. It's 3.15 p.m. Uh, Thursday, December 16th. We are nine days out from Christmas. Just finished up my Christmas shopping today. Feeling pretty good about that. Got oh, you did it. I did. Well, I didn't have to buy them. So my wife took care of all the presents for the for the young man oh. uh, in the house. So, And then I just had to take care of presents for the missus. So took care of that today. Feeling When's Christmas? <laughs> Tomorrow. What'd you get her, Baz? She doesn't listen to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> she is on Twitter, though, and I know a lot of oh. our listeners are, so we're not we're not going there. She better watch yeah, Tuesday. Reps. So, uh, plenty to get to. We uh, we met with the new Nebraska assistant coaches yesterday, right before the, the mother of all windstorms hit and shook the stadium. Um, we've got Nebraska basketball playing Sunday at home against Kansas State after a Bizarre week, to say the least. We got volleyball in the final four tonight, 8.30 p.m. against Pitt, national semifinal. So let's get into it. We had the the early signing day press conference yesterday with Scott Frost. He ran through all the guys, gave a comment on each one, took some questions. But the main attraction, I think, was probably the assistant coaches being there. Mark Whipple, the new OC, Nikki Joseph, wide receiver coach, passing game coordinator, Donovan Riola, offensive line coach. All three guys met with the media for about 15, 20 minutes yesterday. Each of us was at a, uh, excuse me, was at a table with, with one of those guys. And I'll, I'll throw it to you guys first. I guess what were your guys' takeaways from, from talking to, to Mark Whipple and Mickey Joseph? Parker, go ahead on Whipple. I'm interested. Yeah, I was at the Whipple table. Um, Whip, as he's already known by the coaching staff and, as he's known by, it seems like every single coach in football at any level, uh, which is approximately Mark Whipple's network. Um, it was interesting listening to him talk a lot of stuff about his uh, history in the NFL and all the guys he's he's worked with. Um, he had interesting insight into a lot of stuff. He, he and Scott have actually known each other for quite a while. They first met 10 years ago. Um before Oregon played Auburn for the national championship in Arizona uh, in 2011. And Whipple's known Chip Kelly for the better part of 35 years. So it's, um, it, Whipple said, you know, it's not like we'd spent a lot of time in each other's company, but they've known who each other is and what each other's sort of about for a long time. Uh, Whipple basically indicated that um, he was excited about being at Nebraska and in the Big Ten, which is a league he's never coached in before. Um, told stories about being in the backyard when he was a kid and listening to Johnny Rogers run the punt back for a touchdown in 1971. And he's a football lifer. So he obviously knows about Nebraska and its history. Um, and then he's always been in pro style kind of offenses. It's what his DNA is. Um, you know, he talked quite a bit about Andy Reed and Mike Holmgren and that sort of, you know, some of the pro style stuff. He's an East coast guy. Um, West Coast style offense, all that. So he he basically intimated that he's very interested in Frost's system and in sort of learning about it and in imparting what he knows about football and seeing how they can sort of join those forces and put stuff together. And 
I don't know. It was very, it's very interesting conversation. He's a unique guy. He's 64. Um, he's been around football for more than 40 years. Um, so you get a lot of stories and a lot of insight when you sit and listen to him and ask him questions. What do you say about the current quarterbacks? Yeah, he said he, he said he had a favorable first impression of them. Um, just in watching a little bit of film, mentioned Logan Smothers and his ability to run. What he said sort of more generally, obviously he hasn't been around him a lot. You know, he's like, I got here. It's finals this week. He met with the offense briefly. He's met with the quarterbacks briefly. Um, he basically said that he told the quarterbacks that he builds offenses around the quarterback and what they do well. And so he's like, I don't, it doesn't really matter to me what they've done before. Obviously I'm going to watch the film and see what they've done, but everybody's got a clean slate. And then he said, you know, it doesn't, he said, yes, yeah, Smothers can run. So like if you have a running quarterback, you're not going to build an offense that includes nothing for the quarterback run game, basically, is the idea. So it's going to be very interesting. He's They're looking. He told you, Sipple, obviously, when you came over, that they're looking for a quarterback transfer. Um, and and he said, he said, I don't want anybody on offense, and especially the quarterbacks, to worry about where they were in the pecking order before right now. He said, we got plenty of time for me to judge you and to figure out what you do well and all of that. So it's going to be interesting. It's fresh, yeah. It's a fresh start for, for Logan Smothers, for Heinrich Harburg. Everybody's on even footing Richard Torres when he gets to campus uh, in a few weeks. Um, and then who, assuming they find somebody, you know, whoever they find in the transfer portal too. Hi Palmer. <laughs> hey guys. Palmer. I can't, yeah, I can't make you out because your dad's name is, is, there you go. Hi, Palmer. Hi. Yeah, Palmer's going to be Hi. right in the mix for the starting quarterback job. Yeah. He's got, Palmer's, he's got, Palmer's supposed to be down for a nap right now, but he's not. So he's got a high motor. Um, his, his sleeves match his hair. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Mustard <laughs> kind of, colored. Mm-hmm. Kind of a, yeah, he's, he's a rustic man. He's rough hewn, you might say. Yeah, you can tell. What? Well, yeah. In his young age. Yeah, I don't know if I describe him as rough hewn. He's very much not rough hewn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's he's full of wonder right now. He is full of wonder. He, this is a lot more exciting than standing in the crib and screaming into the the nothing, the void. Well, that ignores him trying to record. I thought that's what we do on a daily basis. Um, screaming into the void. Yeah, <laughs> I scream into the void constantly. Yeah, maybe that's, that's what you think of Don Don, Don Rayola. Don that was interesting. He's a. Uh, He's not much of a talker, uh, um, but I, I mean, you can tell he's, he's about business and he's, he's an offensive lineman through and through. And, you know, we were, we were kind of winding down to the end of his interview yesterday, his time at the, at his podium. And he was asked, you know, do you like doing, do you like doing interviews? Do you like doing stuff like this? And he was just very straight faced and said, no, <laughs> he just said, I'm an offensive lineman. We don't want to be noticed, you know? And so it, but just a guy that's very businesslike. Um, you can tell he's a Rayola with just the the way he the way he speaks. He kind of sounds like his brother a little bit, and just has a real passion. I think for for teaching guys on the offensive line. Seems to have a pretty good grasp of the the O line tradition um, at Nebraska. You know, just talking to talking to Dominic. Oh, lost it. <laughs> Palmer. Palmer got the mute button there. Sorry. <laughs> Um, Paul, are we trying to mute dad? your dad? Yeah, can't blame him. We try to mute your dad too. Yeah, That's you're, yeah join the club, buddy. Um, but 
had never been to a Husker game while Donovan played here, but came to a spring game uh, one time. And of course, Dominic was playing in high school while, or Don Donovan was playing in high school while Don was, was at Lincoln. That's right. Yeah. And so, but yeah, he just talked about kind of the same thing you said, Parker. It's just kind of a clean slate, you know, for everybody uh, in the offensive line room. And obviously they've got some work to do, you know, having to replace Cam Jurgens, most notably along with, you know, a guy like Matt Seekerman and, and other guys like that. You've got some guys that, that have played a lot of snaps for you, but obviously that was an area that really struggled last year. So, and, you know, he's, he's kind of just started going into the film on those guys, figuring out what he has, but it's, he's very fascinating. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy. He's not going to be a Greg Austin. Who's going to sit there and, and tell stories and give you great sound bites and, and do things like that. But he's a, he's a technician. He talked about how, you know, it's going to be very, very, very start from the bottom. We're going to build these guys from the ground up. And that means, I mean, basic stuff, lining up on sides. That was one thing. He, that was his answer to one question. What's the most important part of, of playing offensive line at Nebraska? He said being on sides. <laughs> and we kind of chuckled, but he was serious. You know, and that's, that's what he meant, just the, the, the basic fundamentals. Are you on the ball or off the ball? What are your splits like? You know, things like that. And yeah, it's footwork and strength and hand placement and all those sorts of things too. But you can tell this guy's a, a big time stickler for the details. And it that's that's everything. You know, how they come out of the huddle if they do huddle, you know, how they how they leave the sideline, get into the line of scrimmage, you know. So we'll see what it looks like. He's he's again, he's never gonna be a guy that's gonna give you a, a great quote, but he's also a dude that's gonna He's, he's going to teach these guys literally from, from the ground up. It's going to be interesting to watch what he's able to do with the guys that, that he you has. Know, you know what, what comes to I, – I never thought of it yesterday, but, um, you know, you, you've heard all this talk today about Donovan Rayola, how he was – he's not a very good interview, um, doesn't say much. You know, I've, I'm thinking about a conversation I had with Barry Alvarez last week and one, he said that Donovan was one of his favorite players of all time because he had such a good sense of humor. Really? Um, yeah. And he said, said it because it, because he kept things loose, you know, after they beat Parker, you might remember this when they beat Auburn in the bowl game in 2005, it, I think it was Barry's last season. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Auburn was a heavy favorite. Um or a favorite and Wisconsin had the ball at the one um, late in the game seconds ticking down and Wisconsin took a knee and didn't go in. And he's in Barry. I say, he'll always remember Donovan running up to him, just making a beeline for him on the sideline and, and, and getting in his face and saying, coach, you said we were going to let it all hang out today and then <laughs> cracking up laughing. Um, the, so I think he does have a sense of humor. I don't think we're going to see it very often, but I think, right. he, I think he probably shows it around the guys, you know? Um, yeah, he, he, that's, that's not a, and look, he, he's not the only person that's like this. He, you could tell that wasn't the environment he was in yesterday. wasn't something he was comfortable with and that's fine. You know, like some people just he's don't never done it. I mean, yeah, he's never the, done it. Right. I mean, he's, he's, he was a GA at Notre Dame. I don't imagine GA's talk at Notre Dame to the media. Um, and then with the bears, he's an assistant offensive line coach. He doesn't talk to the media. This is probably, it probably, you know what? It probably freaks him out a little bit as it would me, by the way. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why are these guys, why is there 15 people around me right now? You know? <laughs> um, wasn't yeah, this team three and nine last year? Yeah. So, so I, uh, I, um, I would understand if he wasn't completely comfortable in that environment. Now the other guys were, wouldn't you say Whipple was? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, it, oh, it was like a mess of scotch. <laughs> I was walking up. Tom Chattel from the World Herald was already sitting over there um, after Frost wrapped up and I walked up to the table and the first thing I heard, and I think Tom let us call him with this, but he's, he's, Chattel said to him that it's more, it's more media than Pitt, I would imagine. And Whipple said, yeah, but there was more than this at the Super Bowl." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that, that's uh that was all very interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mickey How, about Mickey? How about Mickey? Yeah. How about Mickey? Hey, Mickey, you're so fine. There he is. That's Mickey. That's Mickey Joseph. For, for Nebraska fans who don't know who yeah. Mickey Joseph is, former <laughs> quarterback at Nebraska, that's what Mickey but, Joseph is. Should I just keep that there when I'm talking about him? Yeah. Do your best Mickey Joseph impersonation right now. <laughs> I can't do that. But I but I can read what I wrote. Um, please do. Uh, please just re- – would you read us your column? Just, just read your article you. on Mickey Joseph, please. <laughs> Start from the beginning, no more. if you would. I think I won't do that because you guys will make fun of me for years. Um, hold on a second, though. I want to get to the high points. He was – I mean, Mickey – now, Mickey is um, – he's very comfortable in that environment. Not that he's always been in it, but he was He was at LSU. Um, and he was at um, – Louisiana Tech, but here's the thing, and I didn't. Now, this is what I'll write about later. Um, I didn't. I didn't write about this today, but I will write about. It. He really paid his dues. Like Mickey, I, I really admire Mickey Joseph as a. He's a 53 year old guy, that, that that he didn't expect. Obviously, didn't expect a job to be handed to him for any reason. Um, and he was a legend. Okay, this is a this is a this is a family that's legendary on the West Bank. New Orleans West Bank. Um, he was a he was a one of the most highly recruited quarterbacks um, in 1987. Prayed All American, legend in that area. But he began his coaching career college wise at Wayne State. Um, at Wayne State, in Nebraska, he was the run game coordinator. He talked about his most memorable game. There was a 78-0 loss to one of the South Dakota schools. He coached at Alabama State and Central Oklahoma and Langston. I don't know where Langston is. Maybe you guys do. Langston's um, in Oklahoma. I believe it's an NAIA program. Okay, thank you. Alcorn State, Grambling State. And he got his first big break, I would call his first big break in 2016 at Louisiana Tech. So that part of Mickey's really interesting to me. That, that he really, really paid his dues before he hit it big at LSU and then really hit it big at LSU. I mean, his, I mean, his, there was, I guess in a nutshell, in 2019, he, he assembled and he assembled arguably the best group of receivers in SEC history. Now we're talking about Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, Justin Jefferson and Terrace Marshall. And they combined for 241 catches, 3,991 yards, and 51 touchdowns. Do you just read that off the top of your head? That's impressive. I'm reading my column right now. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, And 
I mean, you go you can't gloss over numbers like that. You tend to, but then you think about it, like, wait a second. They had three guys at 51 touchdowns in a season. Yeah, that was, that was a, yeah. arguably the best offense in college football history. 2019 yeah. LSU team. I mean, so yeah, he, um, what Burrow now, threw, threw 60 touchdowns. Yeah. 51 of them to those three guys. And you know, and you know, and he told a great story about recruiting Jamar Chase Tuesday night before signing day in 218. He kept Jamar Chase on the phone for six hours uh, <laughs> until, until because Auburn was in was in Metairie, Louisiana. He got wind that Auburn was in Metairie. And so he kept Jamar Chase on the phone till 2.30 in the morning. Um, Jamar kept saying, Coach, I'm tired. And he just kept he just kept, kept changing the subject and then said, um, then then it then got up at seven o'clock and called him again and made sure he signed that letter with LSU. So he'll do what it takes. Um, and but and the other thing that came across from Mickey is he's very passionate about being here. I mean, this is I, that really talk. struck me when I was listening to. I listened to it this morning because yeah. I wasn't at the table you were. But man, that really—I was like, "Wow!" Yeah, it's, yeah, it's really, it was important to him and his mom, who played a big role in his recruitment. Um, his mom said, "Just, just, I mean, th- this pro- is probably where you belong," and he feels like that at this point in his career. He felt a pull. And this is, he says, this is just, just feels like the right place. He did say he had another job offer. And then after he took the Nebraska job, he got another one. So, you know, you knew you probably figured Mickey Joseph wasn't going to be, um, I mean, he wasn't going to be unemployed. Um, so, so this was, it was a, it was a fascinating conversation. He has a good idea of what he's getting into. He talked about that. He really likes Oliver Martin, by the way. Um, that became really clear. Um, cause he's a route runner. And I think you guys identified that too with Oliver Martin. Um, he is a good route runner, good hands. They'll, they'll probably want more from him. Oh, I didn't even notice here until right now, Parker, that you, you do so much that gets by me. I didn't know Jackson Hannah entered the transfer portal. Yeah. Breaking nine news. O'clock, uh, yeah. Jed, nine o'clock yesterday morning. Yeah. Oh God. More than 24 hours ago, Sip. Yeah, stuff sometimes stuff gets by me a little bit. Um, but any but anyway, look at Palmer. He's a spider monkey. He takes after his dad. He's just yeah, he's spider. So yeah, that so we had a productive day with those guys yesterday. Um, it was good. There'll be more, and we'll and we'll have a lot, a lot more to come. Yeah, Anything? one of the things about about um, all of it that I think is interesting is just like, you know, you're over there and it's like, these guys are, they're happy to be here. And, and, and Frost, you know, he said he, there was sort of a spark felt the spark of energy with the three new coaches in, in place and all of that. They signed 13 kids yesterday. And even given all of that, it's like, okay, they're, as of this morning, they're back to the drawing board in terms of recruiting a quarterback out of the portal because Miles Brennan is staying at LSU and they're, still recruiting kids, high school kids, junior college kids, transfer portal kids. They put out like several new portal offers today. Frost still has a position to fill on his staff as of 3.34 p.m. on Thursday. Like there's a lot going on. There's not, I mean, Whipple talked a couple of times about how he's got more time now in this offseason to sort of get it going here and put a stamp on things than he has had in some previous stops. But don't get it wrong. I mean, th- this is 
this offseason is not probably going to slow down much um, yeah. or not as much as normal post-signing day for these guys um, because there's a lot to do. Uh, between now and when the kids come back from winter break, between now and spring ball, between now and getting on the plane to Ireland in August, like it's going to be busy. Yeah. You know, one thing that's happened in college football is that the, the transfer portal has created quite an off season. I mean, and, and that'll never go away. I mean, there'll be times when it's slower than others, but I don't, I wonder how much sometimes, I mean, that it's so enticing, I think, just to go get those quick fixes. Um, not, not probably at all schools like Iowa. I don't think you'll see them. I don't think I was going to be involved in the transfer portal too much ever or Wisconsin, but I think a lot of programs will there'll always be heavy involvement. It will make the off season, you know, up and well, really all off season, pretty interesting. Non-existent, you might call it. Yeah. Especially when you have to, <laughs> especially when you have to build an entire offense from scratch, essentially figure out what you're going to do, throw that into, the, into everything else. <laughs> By the way, no off season. Well, we need to work. So, um, that's probably we need to rest too, simple. We need rest. to rest too. Yeah. Rest. <laughs> yeah. Palmer doesn't need to rest. Oh, um, Palmer, you're a spider monkey. He's yeah. a spider monkey. It, did you guys want to it, hit on anything that Frost said yesterday? He kind of touched on a lot of different stuff. Uh, obviously, a lot of recruiting stuff. But anything that he said that, that kind of sticks out to you guys? I was just going to say, say I, was, I was just going to bring up briefly that, you know, they did add and subtract actually a couple of players from the class down the stretch. Um, they got, I mean, they added six of their 13 in the last 10 days before signing day. Um, but since we podcasted last for sure, um, they added, there he is, there's Frost. Um, you should do this every week, simple visual aids for the uh, folks watching. Hey, go ahead. Talk like you're, yeah. Um, they, they, they added the running back, Emmett Johnson, uh, on signing day yesterday. They added um, uh, an offensive lineman from New Jersey who actually, you know, was a first-team all-region guy as a defensive tackle. They like him as uh, an interior offensive lineman, Justin Evans-Jenkins. Um, and then, you know, they've been adding transfers too. Punter uh, from Montana, Brian Bashini, uh, defensive back from Arizona State, Tommy Hill, who they really liked. Um, two guys fell out of the class in the lead up to signing day, Ashton Hayes and Grant Page, both headed to the Pac-12 instead. Um, and oh, by the way, Cam Jurgens declared for the NFL late on Tuesday night. So it's sort of like what we were talking about, the combination of, I mean, lead up to signing day is definitely busier than other times, but uh, the combination of the run up to signing day and sort of the ever present nature of the, of the portal at this point in college football, um, it's been it's, you know, they've, they've added, they added commitments from six scholarship guys in the, in the five days leading up to signing day. Um, and they had, well, two transfer out and one declare for the NFL draft. So it's just like, it's a, not quite a revolving door, but the door is awfully busy um, this time of year, both in go, incoming and outgoing. You, would you agree maybe with me that, or have I, have I said this to you guys? I'm not, as much calling this calling it recruiting anymore as much as talent acquisition. I think it's more about the, the days of, I mean, you still recruit kids, 
you still there's still a kind of a, a buildup. You try to get to know them. Sometimes it's a two year buildup. But I think we're going to see less and less of that um, and more and more kind of the. All right. All right. This guy's interested. Quick look under the hood. All right. Let's take it. I'm, um, in that, that's a big change in college football. It's gonna. It's like Frost said. The date. What did Frost say yesterday, Parker? The days of twenty-five player classes are probably over. Yeah, over. I mean, there'll be a twenty. I mean, even Nebraska. You know, they'll be close to twenty-five new players by the time August rolls around. They'll probably be in the low to mid twenties. They're at seventeen right now. If you take the thirteen they've signed plus four transfers that are are committed. But yeah, I mean, they just come in all different shapes and sizes. Yeah. I mean, they have that. You know that. The Sean Singleton, the safety from Hutchinson Junior College, I mean, community college, he came onto the radar screen in October. Malcolm Hartzog, literally Eric Chenander was driving around Mississippi to see a junior college guy and some 2023s, and he heard Malcolm Hartzog's name so many times that he turned around and drove to Bassfield to see him practice. And he was like, we got to do this. They offered him, and he visited, and he committed. They'd known each other a week, you know. And then there's guys like Victor Jones Jr. in Orlando who Frost and Sean Beckton and those guys have known since he was in middle school. Uh, So it really, you know, it comes. That's just, yeah, that illustrates why I said you'll still see the Victor Jones recruitment. I just think you're going to see it less and less. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that's, so yeah, it's just an adjustment that everybody, that the coaches and everybody has to make. Um, But it's, that's what it is. And it's an adjustment we'll make. Part of that's part of that is part of it. Not it's certainly not all of it, but one element of it is the COVID thing, right? I mean, they, this was the class, the end of hopefully looking back on this, what we'll say, I think, is that although it was the 21 class that had to sort of sign in the midst of the pandemic and not take official visits, I think maybe the 22 class is the one that's most affected because yep. Everybody, almost everybody, unless you were on the radar screen as a sophomore, which some kids are, but a lot aren't, um, everybody's recruitment was delayed, which led to a little bit of a shotgun recruitment in the the grand scheme of things. And then you factor in the portal and the extra eligibility and all that. It's just been really bizarre. So hopefully it'll be less bizarre, but it's never going back to the way fully that, you know, that it it was. Good, good, good rundown. Interesting. Hoops. Hoops. Uh, Nebraska back on the court Sunday, uh, playing Kansas State, tip off 5 p.m., uh, Pinnacle Bank Arena, old Big 8, Big 12 matchup. It's been a pretty boring week so far for Nebraska basketball, as it always seems to be. There's nothing incredibly bizarre that ever happens with this program at any point. So, not a lot to talk about other than back to back 30 point losses for the first time in program history and a, a, a um, potential scandal that blew up, a potential scandal rumor that blew up online uh, a couple of days ago. Um, just a, getting ready for a normal game on Sunday. So, yeah, I don't have a whole lot really to say to you guys. No. Okay. So, I'm having lunch with the guy today and he says, what was that statement that that Trev Alberts put out about? Well, I didn't hear any rumors. <laughs> that's a that's uh, refreshing, Sipple. That means he's yeah, not. it actually is refreshing. Yeah, and he's a uh, plugged in guy. I'll, I'll give it. I'll give it a quick recap for those that don't know. Um, this thing kind of took off on social media, I guess, starting uh, Monday night. Uh, really took off Tuesday um, about a potential a potential, um, whatever you want to call it, story 
coming out later late in the week detailing some supposed allegations against the Nebraska men's basketball team. Nobody had anything concrete. It was a lot of people online saying they were talking to their sources. And I've heard that this is going to happen. I've heard that this is going to happen. I've heard this, I've heard this. And it just, it just kind of built upon itself. And it got to be a snowball rolling downhill and got to the point where by Tuesday afternoon, late afternoon, early evening, Trevor Alberts basically was put in a position where he had to put out a statement saying that the NCAA does not have a current or pending investigation against the Nebraska men's basketball team. Uh, I've spoken to Fred Hoiberg and he says our program is compliant with all NCAA rules. And, and we kind of moved on. And this all started because of an online, like I said, social media rumor. Now we meet Fred, we, Fred meets with the media tomorrow about 11 o'clock. We'll see if he has anything more to say about it uh, other than, other than Trev's statement. It's just, it's just, it's a, it's a curious, strange, bizarre time. Like I said, you're coming off a stretch when you're not playing very good basketball one of your assistant coaches is on medical leave right now. You know, Nebraska's in a vulnerable spot. Fred Hoiberg's in a vulnerable spot, as it is. And, and now you have this to deal with, too, as you're trying to kind of get, get your team right and get ready to play Kansas State on Sunday. So we'll see what it looks like. They, they haven't played since last weekend, last Saturday, uh, the big loss against Auburn down in Atlanta. Now you've got a winnable game in front of you against a power conference opponent. You've got a, a bye game a few days after that. So you've got a little bit of a chance here to get right before you go into the Christmas break. But yeah, Nebraska's in a, they're in a weird spot right now. I'm real curious to hear what Fred has to say tomorrow. I'm really curious to see what they look like come Sunday. Vulnerable is a good word. I mean, it's not a good word if you're competing in a power five conference though. No. Um, and I mean, look, that's where they're at. Michigan beat them by 35 points. Right. Lincoln. No, and no, they, the program okay. feels vul- yeah. The program feels very vulnerable right now. Yeah, for a lot of reasons. It's on yeah. the court stuff, and it's it's off the court stuff, and it's not you know beating Kansas State. Should they do that Sunday? That's not going to fix all their problems. Not by not by any stretch of the imagination. But yeah, it's it's just a it's it's interesting. Fred Hoiberg's nineteen and fifty one right now at Nebraska, and I don't think certainly nobody expected him to be five and six, 11 games into his third season at Nebraska. You know, I think we all thought it would be better. So yeah, I think that's vulnerable is the key word. I'll probably ask for that tomorrow. I'll just ask him, you know, do you guys feel vulnerable right now? Does your program feel vulnerable right now? Because it does to me. I think it does to a lot of people. That's a good question. Yeah. And I I think, you know, and maybe that's part of why this, this rumor took off like it did, whether there was ever any truth to it or not. You know, because Nebraska is an easy target. They're vulnerable. There's not a lot they can they can do about it right now. Now, if they were nine and two or ten and one, maybe that maybe that stuff never pops up. Maybe we never even hear about it. You know, you, you just you just never know. But it is what it is. You know, they are where they are. Right? The game's going on Sunday. They're expected to have the all their healthy players available. Obviously, Wilhelm Breidenbach and Trey McGowan's won't play. Uh, both dealing with injuries. Sounds like Wilhelm is going to be out for the rest of the year, if not most of the rest of the year, which stinks for that kid. But that they they need a good they need a good day Sunday. It won't erase all their problems, but it'll help it'll help kind of soothe the the vulnerability a little bit. What time do they tip off that game again? Five oh one p.m. is the official tip off time. Uh, game is on oh. BTN. So there you go. Your uh, your play by play guy will be uh, Larry Putney. Analysis is Nick Ma. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. Kansas State's not great. They're six and three. Okay. Uh, 
they were the second worst team in the Big 12 last year. Had, they were just ahead of Iowa State, who was, a, who was a garbage fire last year. But, you know, they're better. Bruce Weber's still the coach there in his 10th year. Um, there's familiarity, familiarity there with, with Bruce and Fred. They faced off a, a few times in the, when Fred was coaching at Iowa State uh, in the Big 12. So you have some familiarity there. But this, is, this isn't like going into Atlanta to face Auburn. I think everybody knew what was coming in that Auburn game, and we got exactly what we expected for the most part. Yeah, yeah, the one thing I – I mean, I, to take the conversation in a more comfortable direction – Auburn was impressive. I mean, that's yeah, a, that's a team that that looks like a basketball school now. Top ten talent, yeah. That's a they they got top ten talent on that roster. Maybe yeah, top that, five. That's a really impressive organization. Yeah. Think about it. Bruce Pearl wasn't even on the sideline, and they didn't they didn't appear to miss a beat. Um, I was I was I was amused. I, I totally. I, I'm not I'm not criticizing you, Sipwa. I was very amused that you were. Uh, that you were impressed by the caliber of the operation while their head coach was serving a suspension. <laughs> this is a big, this is a big time outfit of the program whose coach is suspended. Well, I mean, for some cheating. of there's some, there's some, isn't there some built-in cynicism in that com- conversation? Yeah, there is. I mean, yeah, I just, yeah, Auburn, the the Auburn got caught. I mean, yeah, they right. got caught doing something that virtually everybody worth, worth mentioning does, you know, I mean, I, um, I, I, I just was impressed. I was impressed yeah. by the operation. Oh, they're really, they're really. I, I get what you're saying, Parker. Totally. Um, but man, I don't know. They're good. They're, that's a good, that's a good team. I think part of that game and part of why, part of why it made Nebraska look so vulnerable is that I think a lot of people thought Nebraska might look like that a little bit. This yeah, year. they don't look I, like that. They, and they don't. And, and I'm not no. saying they, they would be on the same level as, as Auburn anyway, but you know, running, Taking advantage of turnovers, hitting 14 threes, playing up tempo. That's that's what it was supposed to look like. Maybe, maybe yeah. not at that level with the talent they have on the roster. But yeah, like you said, Sip, they don't look like that. They 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 just they're 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 lost offensively right now. They're still one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the country. I know, Palmer. They can't make a shot. They can't throw it in the ocean, Palmer. They can't throw it in the ocean. Um, so that's I'm I'm curious. Fred's talked about making some changes to the offense. I'm really curious to see what that looks like come Sunday. Hey, Just from an and, on the court standpoint. Yeah, I got to defend myself a little bit here. It was everything from the on court, what I saw on court to the crowd, to the band, to having Charles Barkley in a, a famous alum yeah. court side. Everything yeah. looked looked big to me, yeah, including Jamari Smith. You know, I mean that's that's um. And they're, they're only ranked 18th, which is a little curious to me. If they're they'll, ranked, they'll be higher than that at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah there's 17 teams better than that. I'd like to see that. I think I had them ranked. I, I'm a voter in the eight people. I think I had them 13th um, after last weekend, and they're they're probably a top 10 team the way they play right now. They look like it. They look so, like it. Yeah, it's just just a super. They're a buzzsaw. Nebraska ran into them at a bad time. Um, you know, when that game was scheduled, 11th game of the of the season. That was kind of thought like to be a showcase game for Nebraska. Like they might not win it, but if they could account for themselves well, maybe you pull an upset, then that's all of a sudden a game that puts you on the map uh, if you're Nebraska. Now I put them on the map for the wrong reasons, and that's part of the problem. But when they scheduled that game, they scheduled it thinking, you know what, we're gonna have we're gonna have a team. Maybe we we kind of need a national showcase game, and that's why they did that. And we we saw what it can look like when when that goes the other way too. Yeah, that's right. Auburn. Auburn, Auburn was ready to play. I mean, it was like they were playing Kentucky. Yeah. I mean, they, they were ready. 
Yep. Well, should we talk a little volleyball? Transition to volleyball, or did we get did we get enough hoops? Well, yeah, volleyball plays tonight. Um, I think that it seems like the prevailing wisdom is they got a great chance to win tonight against Pitt. Um, and I don't know. That's what I'd say. And it's a. I, I'll tell you what the, the a lot of conversations you have right now or with people, I find that you, you talk about football and it's kind of a rough conversation. You just transition to basketball. It gets even a little rougher. And then, the, then like somebody else, you know, thank, thank God there's volleyball, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so you hear, Hey, maybe that's what I'll write tonight. Um, that, that, uh, you, you hear that a lot. Thank God for volleyball and kind of thank God for Amy Williams right now too. Yeah. 10 and no. Yeah. Now, but now we're talking, now we are talking about a national championship uh, uh, a team playing for a national championship. So a little different than Amy's situation. Um, it's funny. I simple. Know, John, mean, yeah, go ahead. John's done is really impressive, obviously. Yeah. With this team. yeah. That's what I was going to say. Baz brought this up before we started. Like when you have a guy who's done as much as John Cook has and that they, they beat Texas in the, in the elite eight to get to the final four. And he says it's one of the most satisfying wins of his career. Like, that's not, I mean, yeah, that's not nothing when, when you've been coaching as long as, as John has and, and you say, man, that one ranks right up there. Um, and it was really impressive. I mean, you know. Could have been a sweep. Could have been a sweep very easily. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, so, I'm, cer- I'm certainly not an expert in volleyball, but it just, the, it was like the questions that they've had this year, they've been really good defensively all year, but the questions they've had, like, are have been the freshman hitters, right? Lexi Rodriguez has been great in her role, but they've been looking for somebody opposite Maddie Kubik to get the job done, and all of a sudden they had it um, from from Krause and from from Ali Badenhorst, and it was like, oh well, that hole was filled for one night, and they dominated Texas. If it's actually, you know, like if that's if that was a breakthrough rather than a, an anomaly, like. They're going to be a tough out uh, in Columbus, too. Yeah, I'm betting on a breakthrough on that count. Got to win tonight. Sounds like you're going to be writing some volleyball this week, then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, and, and we shouldn't discount Pittsburgh here. That's, this is the number three national seed they're playing tonight. So it's yeah. not like – it's like this is going to be a walkover. And then on the other side, Thank you got Wisconsin, who's beat you seven times – what, seven times in a row, eight times in a row? Yeah, I don't – has it gotten to seven? It's at least seven, I'm pretty sure. Oh, and, okay. and Louisville's unbeaten beach earlier this year. Uh, so, you know, they, look, it's easy to say, yeah, Nebraska's playing well, and th- maybe this is a breakthrough, and now they're going to take off. If, if they're going to do this, they're going to have to play two really, really good matches and beat two really, really good teams this weekend. So it's, it's, far, from a, it's far from a done deal that Nebraska gets through tonight, much less gets through, you know, Saturday night too. But, yeah, it's going to be – I say this a lot, but – it's kind of like basketball. It's going to be fascinating to watch for a completely different set of reasons than it is for to, to watch basketball. Much more pleasant. Yes. Pleasant. It's like yes. Dennis Green said, if you want to crown them, then crown them. Yeah, crown Dennis. Them. Crown yeah, their asses. asses. It, 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 I, this is dangerous, but is it RIP Dennis Green? Oh, boy. I don't know. Oh, no. I, oh, let's, check on, the, let's check the Google machine. Hang on. Public Hang on. information. Typing with one hand and holding my son with the other. I'm glad. Uh, Dennis Green. Yes. Died. Died July 21st, 2016. Okay. 
Great coach. 67 years old. All right. All right, Pete. All right, didn't screw that up. Let's end on that. Let's quit while we're behind. (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in.